This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. voice of change today with myself lauren jacobs we're going to be having such a great time together over the next hour i'm welcoming two wonderful guests onto the show and uh, both of them are going to be talking about two very different things but we're going to be having a lot of fun as i said and also we're going to be getting informed because later on on the show i'm inviting vivian myberg who is the national director of the icej onto the show to discuss and give us an update and uh, a little bit of insight into what is happening and just keeping up to date on the perspective on what's happening in israel and how support for israel is happening in south africa the many different ways that this is happening how we can be praying for israel at this time as well as even our own country and their relationship with israel and things that are happening and so we're going to be touching in with her at the end of the show and just looking forward to connecting again and just hearing you know on the ground realities of what people in south africa are feeling about israel and also of course uh, just some of the updates and the news around the con Conflict that is happening there in Gaza. So look out for that at the end of the show. But first up on the show, I'm welcoming entrepreneur Sonia Aronsa onto the show. And she's the founder of Business Support Services. She started her entrepreneurial journey in 2018. And she was really, really driven with such passion and wanted to just be a solo entrepreneur. And she really felt that, you know, her focus really shifted and she wanted to empower women and help them establish their businesses, create that virtual space and just be there to help them actively create a business that can thrive. And so she's going to be joining me on the show so that we can touch on some tools and tips and tricks that she has learned over the past five years of being a solo entrepreneur. And she's going to be sharing that with you on how you you can do it specifically today we want to be empowering women but of course any tools and trips and and trips and tricks <laughs> trips and tricks on you know how you can be better doing business well that is what we want to be sharing with you today because it is 2024 we've started the year and i want to give you a bit of inspiration on what's out there that you can use and also sonia and i are going to be touching on a little bit of you know the ai help that is available it's not going to take over your world it's not going to take your job away for you, but you can use it as a solo entrepreneur to further your business and the impact that your business can have. So it's very, very exciting. And so tune in, stay put, you know, get that that cold water ready. I know it's been so hot out in the Cape and uh, I hope that you're just settled, sitting down, relaxed, having a great afternoon. And we're going to continue to have that great afternoon and have good vibes only here on Voice of Change today. So stay tuned. Sonia is with me after this.
Sonia, it is amazing to be connecting with you today, to be chatting about women, about solo entrepreneurship, which is a big deal for so many of us and, you know, just tools and t- and tips. And of course, you know, people probably listening will go, but there's a lot of different kinds of solo entrepreneurs, like there's guys that, that run their own businesses and stuff. But today we really want to empower women and we really want to speak to women and just encourage them um, as we, you know, coming to the end of the longest January ever and uh, <laughs> we in the start of 2020 forward uh you know it's uh it's just a time to just encourage as we get in into the year starting to warm up to the year but before we get into that Sonia how are you today uh it's just so good connecting with you I hope that you are staying sane and uh somewhat cool in the in the warmth that we are having this this crazy January Hi, Lauren. Thank you for having me on your show. No, I'm doing really well. Excited for the new year. It's the 24th of the new year already. And so still excited about what's to come. Mm. Where do you stir up this excitement? Because I know that you're involved with so many things and, you know, you're, you're like we said, just also having workshops and, and gatherings for women getting together as well, which is something close to your heart. Do you find, did you have a vision board coming into this year? Did you have these goals that you created for yourself? You know, how did you set yourself up to continue to have excitement and and fanning to flame the excitement and the the goal, the vision, even on days when it gets tough? Do you feel like that's something that you've personally done going into 2024? Yeah, so I do every end of the year, I do my personal goals and then obviously my business goals. So from my business goals, there's every day a to-do list. I think I wake up, I, I haven't thought about it act like this, but like I'm actually excited in the mornings to wake up to do mm. my to do the things that excites me and that has meaning to me compared to when I was working for an employer so I wake up excited for my to-do list <laughs> and <laughs> also for connecting with contacts like-minded people because every day I connect with interesting people from different parts of the world different mm. um, diverse people and I love diversity and diversity people come together and diverse people will have the same mindset Hmm. so I get excited to interact with people to help people to 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 invest in people I get excited for that Hmm. I love that like you said excited to wake up in the morning I mean that's something that that's uh, sometimes people can struggle with you know excited because you're going like wow uh, maybe I'm not in the job that I actually really love or enjoy or maybe I'm I'm you know, been doing something for like 20 years and I don't have that excitement. So you're encouraging us today to look in ourselves and go, do I have that excitement when I wake up in the morning? So having those business goals, but then also having personal goals like travel or like relationships. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's yeah. really cool. I'm sure there's some travel goals on, on, on your personal list, isn't there? Definitely. That's why I started um, my, my business or started my entrepreneurship journey purely to travel, to work on. I started with the idea in mind to start a remote business, online business, where I can just travel mm. and um, not ask my manager for leave and wait for leave to be approved. So I wanted mm. to work online with, and go somewhere where I have good connectivity. And I've traveled a bit, but haven't traveled enough, especially after the pandemic. And mm. things don't always work out as you plan, so you just have to roll with the punches. But yeah, mm. tra- traveling more is definitely on the cards. 
Mm, me too. So we can go to the giraffe manor in Kenya or something really cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really I want cool. to uh, explore Africa more, Lauren. I want to explore Africa. I know. And it's such a beautiful continent, isn't it? I mean, people that travel so in it always come back with stories, you know, like how beautiful yeah. it is. And uh, I think traveling is so important. And like you said as well, it gives you that flexibility when you're running your own thing to be able, whatever that looks like, to be able to to do that. But now, Sonia, let's, let's give some advice from some tools and tricks that you have learned personally on your solo entrepreneurship journey, especially as a woman, uh, you know, mm-hmm. setting up your own business, wanting that flexibility and also you know, have you found, before we get into the tips and tricks, have you found there to be some challenges along the way? Some people love the stability, and, and I don't blame them at all for that, of mm. having a dedicated paycheck. You know, on, on a certain day of the month, you know you're going to get X. You know you're going to get Y. Mm. When you're on your own, you don't have that. So do you find there's challenges along the way, and you have to deal with kind of those kind of things? Definitely. I think the first challenge that came about was when I started uh, my business and I actually was so fortunate to get my first client within a few days through LinkedIn. And that's that's my platform. And I know we met through LinkedIn as well, but that's my platform for finding clients and so forth. But I found my client um, just um, a few months after starting my business and a few days after being on LinkedIn. And I still went into my business with their employee mentality. And my client was a very demanding, very, he was like a boss. <laughs> he was, mm. and I was like, I am employee. Um, and I, and after, a few, after a year of working with him, I realized that this is my business. I, I started to obviously um, lay down the rules. And then he got a little bit upset because, I, I mean, he was not even adhering to our agreement that he signed. And I was just going with it because I had that employee mentality. So always when you start your business, you are the business owner. It's your business. Mm. And um, so I, like for a very long time, I was still at that employee mentality. And also, like you said, not a guaranteed income. And I learned now I have more than one stream of income, um, Lauren, because I mm. realized, especially with the pandemic, if you only have one, if that doesn't work, there's no mm. other form of income. So like you said, that's so correct. Um, that's the challenges that I came across also as a woman, not valuing yourself, not charging enough. The same service that you offer, uh, the male, a male will charge will will charge double that, and they would be so confident confident to charge it. And wow. but we as females, I don't know why. And we would, you know, what we do as females, we give the price, and then we explain. Oh, I do that. I used to do that. I explain why the price is that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that price, but I'm giving I'm giving you this for free, or like it's just be bold and give your price. That's your value. That's your time. That's your effort. That's your that's your 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 expertise so um yeah i came across a lot of challenges and still do eh? mm. so, yeah. it's good to hear though about those challenges because sometimes people people can look and go oh it's they, that person makes it look so easy you know oh no i could never do that you know yeah. but it's good that you mention these challenges and also uh you know charging is a big thing like you said charging your worth charging your value yeah. i think I had uh, one lady say to me, uh, she's a physiotherapist and she has her own business. And she had this conversation with me about two years ago because I used to just undercharge as well for everything. Seriously. And and she was like, 
you do not value what you do, you know? And I was just like, that hit me in the face because I do. So if you do, then you need to charge correctly. And she said, you know, look at it as an energy exchange. How much time and energy have you put into this that you're giving? Do you believe it's worth less? Because it's not, you know, and just to change those mindsets, like you said as well, and we quick to also go, I'll give you a discount, you know, but the person hasn't even signed the deal yet, and you're like, I'll give you a discount. Exactly. Even before, like before, like speaking to the client already in my mind, I'm like I'm going to give this person a discount. I like, yeah. but I'm try- Obviously, it's a it's um practice and it's a learning curve, Lauren. Mm. Um, also, my first client, even though he was very hard on me and very like a boss mentality, he also learned me a lot because he was a, he's been an entrepreneur, entrepreneur for years and he's like, Sonia, we're having a meeting, but you're charging me for this meeting because yeah. it's your time. Yeah. And I've learned a lot of things from him. Mm. Um, and so because he was extremely tough, I learned a lot from him as well as, a, as an entrepreneur and a business owner. Mm, I love that. Okay, so give us those those few empowerment tools. One of these things you just mentioned now, I think is something people don't think about, charging for your time, charging for that meeting. You sometimes get clients who want to have meeting. They enjoy the meeting. <laughs> they enjoy the meeting aspect <laughs> of this of this thing where it could be an email, but they want, they want the meeting. Mm-hmm. And the meeting is a Zoom and it takes up an hour, an hour and a half of your time. And now you start running behind. So so you just gave us something there uh, to think about. Uh, you're charging for your time. If you're going to be in a Zoom meeting that you that could have been an email, but it's an hour long. It's about charging so, for that. Yeah, so the onboarding meeting, I would obviously give for free. Just getting the client on board. And, but once we get into the work, and I know what to do, but the client wants to discuss other stuff and more more projects and the details of the projects i'm going it's going to be my agreement that we're going i'm going to charge you for that you know what i mean it's my time and i mean no i um, clients in the past they never had a problem with it mm, mm. that's good yeah. that's good to know this is important so what other kind of tools have you learned that that you can give us today for those who are listening who are solo entrepreneurs who are maybe you know, starting up their business, maybe they're a year old, maybe they're five years old and they're trying to find their feet, maybe a couple of months old. Maybe, like you said, after the pandemic, it pushed them to go into a different area and they started something new and they're enjoying it, but just need, you know, kind of that little bit of help. You also mentioned LinkedIn. So is that a good place to to kind of build up networks? What kind of tools can you share with us? Productivity tools. So, um, LinkedIn has helped me such a lot. I'm not utilizing it enough, but obviously with LinkedIn goes networking. So I network a lot on LinkedIn. I've met people, friends, business partners, buyers for my business, you name it. Hmm. LinkedIn has done everything for me. And then also what I enjoy is Calendly. Um, Obviously it saves a lot of time. Hmm. So I use Calendly a lot. And then if you are on a freelance and you have to, give a client, you pay, you get paid per hour, you use a tracking tools that's called Toggle or other or other tracking tools. You always, always want to be transparent of the work you've done. So I always give them a report to say, this is the amount of hours I worked. And um, so that hours on my report will reflect on my invoice. And mm-hmm. so uh, just to give them transparency. And um, there's so many other cool tools are you have your monday.com you have your trello your project management tools to stay up to date with what the team is doing if you're working in a team or or, or even if you're just a solo entrepreneur just to keep up to date with your projects Um, there's so many i actually have a a handbook full of 
tools wow. that I just got. Yeah. Um, oh, the, my favorite, LinkedIn and ChatGPT. Chat oh. Yes, saved yes. my life. <laughs> uh, like, what do you mean? Both AI. So when you say productivity tools, uh, they need to get come on to on board with AI and mm-hmm. remember AI is not don't use it like 100% just use it as a guide so if you go and ask ChatGPT something you have to go amend it you have to go through it and see if it's applicable you can't just take it as, as it is you know mm-hmm. what I mean so um, ChatGPT has saved so much time so Calendly, ChatGPT and LinkedIn those are the three go-to platforms for me. Mm, and Sonia, it's so important what you're talking about, Chat GBT, because I've met people that um you that are using it and it is really helping them. You know, a lot of people Obviously. are you know, a kind of against this whole AI thing, and they go, "Oh, it's going to take over," and "Oh, it's going to, it's going to, mm-hmm. it's going to remove me." No, it's not going to do that, but it's going to assist in uh, specifically in certain areas of work when you're getting to technology or web design, web development as well. Mm-hmm. People that have businesses like that, or you know, you need to the clients aren't good at writing a bio about themselves. You know, you can use ChatGPT <laughs> to help with that. You know, because some exactly. people are not naturally good at stuff like that. So it is very important, and we got got to get up to date as well with the things that are out there learn to use it it's not going to replace you it's going to assist you you know and and like you said you you have to go over those things you know you don't just like put it in and then it spits stuff out exactly yeah and the thing it's free like if it took 20 years ago you didn't or for 10 years even you didn't have these apps that's and it's free you just need wi-fi once you have your laptop and your wi-fi you can make a living Mm. and the thing is like with AI, it's not going to take a job away. Like you get Canva, anyone can use Canva, but I don't. I'm not creative. I don't enjoy Canva, so I still pay someone to do it for me, to do my social media, to do posts for me. So um, it's not everybody that's just going to do their own thing on Canva. They still need someone to do it yeah. for them, even though yeah. you can do it yourself. Mm. So like you said, like I said, AI, like you said, AI is not going to take your job away. It's like they just need to guide you and help yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And what you said about Canva my favorite thing in the whole world i can sit on there as a creative person i can lose hours on there designing all kinds of things (laughs) and all of these things oh well you see and that's why we have these things because it can just help us out and so also sonia networking you mentioned that is very Mm. very important tell us a bit about that because some people feel nervous you know like oh, i'm an introvert i don't know if i want to go to the network breakfast uh what am i going to say about myself how do i actually introduce myself because sometimes in networking you know they go around and then you introduce yourself like how do i introduce Mm. my business like I'm very shy about these things. You know, you get people like that. They can't just, they're not going to be bold about what they do. How important though is this networking aspect of building your business? Networking is extremely important, Lauren. Um, I've done a lot of networking of the pandemic online, but in-person is so important. Last year I went to Mm. in-person expos and workshops and stuff. And it was was so lovely because I, get energy from people and other people's not the same as me and I always need to keep that in mind and so if you want to be in a safe space then network on LinkedIn Um, also if you there is a a, a workshop or networking event go see look at the tennis ahead of time go see who you would want to speak to who's going to be there and then approach those people always um, um, only 
um, you can go and take a friend along, but don't just only speak with your friend that you take along, obviously just <laughs> as a support. But um, also practice now already and elevate the pitch. So if somebody comes and asks you what you do, then you really know like what you do, for who you do it, and what's the end result. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I have something like a rhyme already, like I elevate the pitch. Don't go in or somebody asks you what do you do and you just go, quiet or, or yeah still um so there's so many yeah so but for the, the the main tip is just go out there and put yourself out there um nobody's gonna know what you're doing if if you don't tell people and like energy like people want to feel your energy and want mm-hmm. to see you in person uh, every event that i've went to in the past i found a client and i make it's wow. just because i enjoy wow. interacting with people but i make it but like in person um Networking is so effective and powerful. Mm. And it's so true. And, it, and 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 just to encourage people, you know, if you go to a networking place or you go to a space and you meet someone and you end up swapping numbers, you know, telephone numbers or WhatsApps or something like that, yeah. like, oh, we're going to stay connected. Like if you have a great idea and it happened to me the other day, I met somebody yes. and they said, oh, let's, let's exchange WhatsApp numbers. I said, yeah, okay, it's cool. I didn't think yeah. anything of it at the time, but I – couple of days later, I was sitting on my couch at home and suddenly this idea dropped into me. And I was like, <laughs> I, I picked up my phone and I contacted them mm-hmm. and I said, this is this is the idea that I have. What do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Are we going to do something together? You know, <laughs> you know? They, didn't even ask, they didn't even ask if we were going to do something together. I was just like, are we going to do it? You sound like me. I like I have this crazy <laughs> moment that I do it without thinking before. I, like I just do it. It's either yes or no. I just do it. And I, I wish exactly. more people could be like that. But like, we are not all the same. And no. um, what I also do, what I also do, Lauren, I literally go stalk you on LinkedIn once I've met you. You will get the invite from me when you're on LinkedIn. Because remember when we are connections on LinkedIn, whatever I post about my business, you will see it in me. And that's how we yeah. stay in contact. And it's just worked with me. It just worked for me. Hmm. For the past I've been an entrepreneur now for five years. It's just worked for me. That um LinkedIn is my space and I make the most out of it. Mm. And I love that. And like you said, everybody's different, you know, everybody, you can have an idea and then, you know, but LinkedIn is such a cool platform and it really is. And we're not like, yeah, sitting promoting it today. They're not paying us. But we just, but, but, you know, these, these platforms are so great to use and the tools that we have are so great to use. And Sonia, I want to say thank you so much for being with me today for just inspiring. And we can just feel your passion and your excitement and your joy, like even through this conversation today that we're having, just to, to get out there and to connect with people and to just be in the mm-hmm. space. And uh, I encourage people to go and find you on, you know, LinkedIn and connect with Sonia Aronsa and their wonderful networking events for women that, you know, she yeah. is doing this year, which is really exciting to be part of and, and to just be in that space. So Sonia, thank you so much for being with me today. All the best for your business journey and looking forward to possibly seeing you at one of the events that you put together for 2024. And maybe some of the listeners will be joining us as well. So thank you so much, Sonia, for your time today. Thank you so much, Laura. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm always excited to talk about entrepreneurship and all the best to you as well. Thank you so much and take care. Vivian, thank you so much for joining me again. It's so always awesome to catch up with you and to just hear what's happening. Of course, we're talking about something very, very close to our hearts. We're talking about Israel, what's happening right now. And, uh, you know, something that sometimes we wish we weren't talking about so much during this time because we know 
with what's happening in Israel, it's a lot. It's a lot that we're all feeling and having to deal with. But thank you for, you know, checking up and catching up with me. I know that we're going to do a bit of an update today, which is very important from a Christian perspective to not be bombarded by the secular news, the TikToks, the social media aspect of what's happening in Israel. And uh, just before we get into what's been happening in the last week, Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. And I hope that you are doing well today. Hi, Lauren. It's great to be with you again. And yes, we are doing well in the hot Western Cape, but mm. it's all good. And um, we had a great event in Durban um, last Sunday to mm. just pray and proclaim the kind of truth around Israel and to pray for South Africa mm. and Israel. Both the nations need a lot of prayer. So but otherwise, we're good. Thank you for having me on the show. Mm. And tell me a little bit, tell us a bit about the event that happened in Durban. You know, it's so nice to, to have seen these events in Durban, in Johannesburg as well, uh, and how well everything went off. We know, unfortunately, that was not the case in Cape Town a couple of months yeah. ago, unfortunately. Uh, but tell me a little bit about what happened in Durban and like you said, with praying, praying for South Africa as well, especially now as we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, how did that, that go off? You know, what did God do? How did you feel he was stirring and moving everybody up in up in Durban? And uh, oh, just so amazing to hear and to see the footage. Sometimes the footage that has been shared, like the meeting that was had in Johannesburg, it just went viral. I saw everybody sharing. And that just shows you how many people are supporting Israel as well in this time. Yeah, you know, it's just been amazing, such a blessing um, on many, many levels. Um, of course, Jews and Christians praying together is just powerful. And then the church coming together. We find, you know, different denominations, different groups all coming together in unity. And yes, um, it's been very encouraging to the Jewish community because they have, like everybody <laughs> that I hear about and speak to, have watched the clips from Cape Town and Johannesburg and Actually, what was really a blessing was we had feedback that the soldiers in Gaza were watching the clips as well. Wow. And they were so encouraged that South Africans are standing with them in this way. So that's really been amazing. Yeah, and just to see the church coming together, I think it's a time of unity, church to kind of come together for something that really matters and to stand together and put aside some of their differences. And mm. that's what we've experienced. And um, just really experienced the Lord's presence and people have been very, very blessed and um, to just bring it more into the light, like out there, you know, why should Christians be supporting Israel? Um, and then at the same time, comforting our Jewish family in South Africa who are going through a very hard time. I spoke to a Jewish friend again this morning and she says the Jewish community really feel like they've been hunted. And I mean, we know they're not being like really hunted, but they feel like that. They feel yeah. that kind of atmosphere is, is pervasive and getting worse. So, yeah, they're very encouraged and very grateful. Mm. Twofold, like but you said. But we do say. trust, you know. But we do, yeah, but we do trust, of course, that the Lord will uh, just do something in South Africa that um, we mm. pray for our country as well in the midst of all of this, with all this craziness going on. Um, and you did ask about Durban. I wanted to also just mention that, it was significant being in Durban after we know that the 2001 United Nations Racism Conference, which was held in Durban, really was 
almost a stimulus for the whole Zionism is racism narrative. Um, and out of that came the whole apartheid narrative that Israel's mm. an apartheid state. And out of that came the whole BDS campaign, boycott, disinvestment and sanctions campaign. So South Africa was very, very much part of initiating that. And so it was good to be back in Durban and to just have a wonderful crowd, diverse crowd, united, praying and blessing the country of Israel. And really also just trying to trust the Lord to change the spiritual atmosphere over Durban. Um, mm. Durban, of course, has some elements too that, you know, are not very um, pro-Israel. Um, mm. But but God was good to us. We we had no issues and it was wonderful. Mm. Sure, yeah, just like you said, and I'm sure you've heard it as well, people asking, especially overseas, uh, you know, as Jewish people overseas in different countries asking and not understanding South Africa's role, why are they getting involved? And I know you and for myself have heard people going, why does South Africa care? Why are they getting involved? Uh, why are they a part of this? Because a lot of times people haven't really understood the history uh, of South Africa. And like you said as well, just sharing with us now what happened in Durban all those years back, you know, uh, as people, our, our memories are very short often, you know, we don't really always remember what happened and, and how significant these moments in time and in history actually are. And a lot of people have been asking why South Africa get involved? Why have they taken this case to the ICJ? We know uh, there's investigations going on about that. Investigative journalists doing great jobs on uncovering uh, a lot of things about what is happening. But a lot of external people outside of the country asking, why are you guys doing this and not understanding it? And, you know, Vivian, one of the things we also have seen recently is um, certain kinds of groups and political parties and different um sort of segments in South Africa claiming a victory um, at the ICJs of South Africa bringing their case forward two weeks ago. Now, we need to clear up some stuff about that. There is no uh, victory that has been won. We keep saying this is going to take years to reach this, uh, you know, final understanding, this final declaration that's going to be made or decision that's going to be made. So how and what should we be thinking, feeling, and praying about now after we've seen our country and the leadership of South Africa having brought forward this case against Israel and knowing what the Bible says about anyone who blesses Israel, anyone who curses Israel? Yes. Um, yeah, you know, even in 2001, it was South Africa's government that allowed the hijacking of a United Nations conference. So then already they had, in a sense, I believe, been hijacked again by certain elements that had lobbied within the South African government. And they've been doing this for a long time, an agenda. It's really run very much by the Muslim side. And of course, now with the recent case, I mean, the root of it, and I think most of us understand that, but maybe for those that don't, is the fact that Hamas is desperate for a ceasefire. Um, we are estimating, the IDF estimates that 60% of the Hamas force have been wiped out. The leader of Hamas, Yahya Sinwa, we think he's still in the Gaza area, and apparently Israel knows where he is, but we're not sure. Um, but they're getting desperate, so they need a ceasefire. And they've tried to negotiate a ceasefire through various countries, through, through various negotiations with Egypt, Qatar, and the others. Um, and we see the pressure coming on Israel for a ceasefire. But Israel wants to finish off what they've started. 
and we can understand why. And um, it is actually a blessing, of course, for the people of Gaza that the Palestinians would be free of this tyranny of Hamas. And more and more, we're hearing reports of the people on the ground saying to the soldiers, you know, we're glad you're here. We need to be free from Hamas. Of course, it's not everybody, but they're hearing that more and more. And so Hamas really, I think, reached out through Qatar, through Iran. South Africa is very closely, sadly, connected with Iran and Qatar and the funders of Hamas. Um, as we know, straight after the 7th mm. of October event, they made contact with them again. They've hosted Hamas in South Africa, shockingly, mm. very soon after this event. And so they've just become South Africa's, they've become Hamas's legal arm. They are using South Africa to wage lawfare against Israel and to try and force what they call provisional interim measures, um, trying to make a case for the fact that there needs to be a ceasefire and to get more humanitarian um, aid into Gaza. And this is what they're trying to force. Everybody knows, and I think South Africa government probably too, knows that a genocide case is never going to stick. There is no intent for genocide. There is nothing that Israel is doing to prove it's genocide. So it's literally just an attempt for a ceasefire. And I tried to find out this morning from some of my contacts, you know, how long, when do they think this judgment will be made? But there is no clear date and timeline, even for the mm -hmm. judgment about this to come through yet. It is really, sadly, incredibly ironic that the term genocide was really used after the Holocaust, yeah. after the genocidal, you know, um, aspirations of the Nazis and Hamas being genocidal in their aspirations and continuing to call for, for the genocide of the Jewish people, continuing to say we would do it again and again what happened on the 7th. And, and yet this is all turned around and Israel's been told that they're the ones with genocidal intentions. But as I say, it's all a hyped up charge really to get a ceasefire. Mm. And that's so important to understand and for people to recognize and understand the sad reality of this as well is the hostages are the ones caught up in, in the middle of everything. And, and Israel cares about their hostages. And, and of course, uh, you know, we, we do see the families of the hostages being really upset and angry and emotional as we can un try and understand that as well. And, and hostages that have been released uh, consistently sharing their stories of what they went through and what they witnessed and what they are dealing with now and their concern for those who were left behind that they were held hostage with now their the, that concern and and that is a concern for everybody i be, should be a concern for everyone who has good morals and yes. and who really does believe in 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 god that these are innocent people these are children little children uh you know the youngest hostage celebrated his first birthday in captivity just last week you know i mean how do we pray about this what do we do vivian because it's 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 heavy i know a lot of christians concerned about these individuals held hostage as well and israel are concerned and we see so many emotions about this and it just feels it feels like so much it feels very heavy and it feels like a, a, a huge weight it, it is. And the nation is really in trauma. If you speak to some of the people, they say, we're just going, we're doing what we're doing. We're going about life, but we're like in a zone of trauma. Um, mm. 
it's it's just beyond to, to you know if you if you think of the trauma that Israel had when Galat Shalit was held hostage, yeah. you know, a single soldier, and they exchanged a thousand prisoners to get him free to set mm -hmm. him free. One of those prisoners that they exchanged was Yanwa Yanya um, Yaya Sinwar, who's the present head of Hamas, yeah. and many others, and you realize how much a life means to the Israelis. And to think that there's a hundred, over 130 um, held hostage presently, we don't know how many of them are alive. Mm -hmm. We know that Israel has taken some bodies out of some cemeteries and they're obviously very fine right now, um, whether they are possibly hostages that have passed away. And I think actually a number probably have passed away by now. And every few days, you know, we hear of hostages being murdered. So it's, it's just beyond comprehension what they are going through and you can understand that the families are just asking for a ceasefire and yeah. it's such a hard place for Israel to be right now because Hamas is saying yeah we'll release all your hostages but then we want you to release 6,000 of our hostages and mm -hmm. the war stops immediately mm -hmm. and we are guaranteed that we can go back to our positions and are still in control of Gaza um, you know, this is the conditions. In other words, no surrendering of Hamas, um, nothing like that. They want to continue to control the people in Gaza and continue to build a terror state. And we can now see what they've built. I think just yesterday they uncovered a 1.5 kilometer tunnel with a massive weapons manufacturing mm. facility, the biggest one yet. And this is what they continue to find. It just about in every home, in every school, in every mosque, and in every hospital, they find weapons and tunnels. So the whole of Gaza has become literally a military, you know, manufacturing, and it's aimed to destroy Israel. So you're yeah. sitting here with this infrastructure designed just to destroy Israel. And Israel's actually doing quite well at dismantling this. But mm. the day they stop, if they don't do it properly, it will be up and running again. And they will have rockets flying again. They will have a similar, you know, attacks. Obviously, Israel would, would have learned a lot from this. But, mm. yeah, it's a very fine line that they walk in. Israel has offered through the French um, and through Qatar a two-month ceasefire, um, giving them two months, which will be not good for the warfare on the ground, but to release their hostages. And no doubt Israel will also release, um, as they always have, three at least three times of their prisoners mm. that are held in Israel but they have absolutely rejected this and um so the negotiations which are very difficult continue mm. it is very difficult and uh the reality is that when when prisoners terrorists are released by Israel uh you know they we have seen, like you said as well, they were involved in the October 7th massacre and masterminding it and, uh, you know, being actively involved. And so this is the price that is paid when Israel releases, uh, you know, prisoners that have been, who are terrorists and have been involved in these kind of activities. And every time they release them, we see these things happening. So it's a very, very... It's it's such an intense balance, and and it's it's very difficult. Now, 
I think that we don't understand that. I think it's easy for people to criticize maybe cabinet ministers or lawmakers in Israel and go, oh, why aren't they just stopping everything, getting hostages back? It's not a simple reality. And I don't think any of us understand that or would want to be in their shoes, which Vivian brings me to my final question of how can we pray? How can the church pray? How can Christians pray? I know that, you know, maybe we can't necessarily get physically involved. Even, uh, you know, there are rules and laws against us even traveling to Israel right now and uh, we can't do that even as South Africans or anything like that but we can pray and that's a really powerful thing that's not the least thing we can do that's the most we can do how can we pray what should we be praying for right now uh, as Christians that want to go before God and intercede for this reality there's a number of things first of all we are praying so much as I'm sure many Christians are for the hostages that in their dark place that in those tunnels that in that trauma that they find themselves in that they would cry out to the Lord and that they would find him and that he would be found by them and that they would really experience redemption in the midst of this incredible darkness so that's the first thing and also Israel being so vulnerable as a nation right now um, I believe they are in many ways crying out to the Lord like many of them have never done. And so we really just pray for the nation in that sense, for their redemption and for them really to meet with with their father and with their God and to know who he is. Um, and then secondly, for continued unity, because there are cracks forming again within the government. Yeah. There's been a lot of unity around this um, response to, to Hamas. But there are definite tracks, cracks forming again. And just to pray for that unity for the sake of um, fighting Hamas, that the unity has to be. And, of course, pray against the situation as well on the Lebanese border with mm. Hezbollah. It's really getting very intense. The mm. villages in the south are leaving. They can see that Hezbollah is bringing their people in and their armaments in. And so they are leaving because they know Israel will be striking at those places, which is happening right now. Um, they're trying to preemptively um, strike where they are launching from, but they are very concerned about the situation in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. This is a whole nother story to Gaza. Yeah. Um, Lebanon has the capacity to fire 4,000 rockets a day at Israel. Their Iron Dome can maybe deal with 2,000 at the most. So it's it's really serious when Lebanon opens up, if it does open up fully. So to really pray for that situation. And obviously wisdom for the government. Yeah. But, you know, I just want to read a scripture. And, um, you know, we all know God refers to Israel as his wife. He says such a beautiful mm -hmm. scripture in um, in um, Isaiah 54. He says, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I just say to people, you can't get any close to the heart of God than that. And, of course, God is judging the nations through the lens of Israel, which will include the ANC. And I like to differentiate between the ANC and the people and the nation of South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, but what I want to end with maybe is, you know, to pray scripture, to declare the word of God to the God of Israel. And at the end of that chapter, Isaiah 54, he actually says something which I think is so relevant especially for the court case that is happening right now. And yes, pray into that court case as they deliberate mm. right now. It's so key to do that. But he says there, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue which rises in judgment against you, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. And to pray these scriptures to the Lord, especially in the light of the judgments, and the condemnation on this nation um, at the court in The Hague presently, that God would be the one that would defend his wife and defend his firstborn son, as he also refers to her. And we 
you know, we can be so encouraged because we also hear so many miracles. Of course, we're also praying for the soldiers on the ground for their protection. Yeah. Um, the head of the ICEJ, Jürgen Buller's son, is in Gaza fighting. He comes home every now and again and he says, Dad, I should have been killed. I shouldn't be alive anymore. I'm only here because of God, because of miracles. I'm, we see them on a daily basis, he says. And so we are so encouraged knowing that, yes, there are incidents and, yes, they are losing precious um, men's lives yeah. like the 21 that died on Monday afternoon, sadly. But God is also performing miracles daily and protecting and preserving their lives. And and it's amazing to hear that the soldiers are recognizing that more and more and they've seen the hand of God. So just um, they are so encouraged when they hear that there are people praying for them. So, mm. yeah, let's continue to declare that and pray together for mm. Israel. Yeah, amen. Vivian, thank you so much for, you know, even sharing what you shared at the end, uh, you know, so moving as well. And it's it's easy in this world, even for ourselves and in our lives, it's at times to think that God is not in control or he's not there or he's left somehow. He's checked out some, you know, he's checked out of the hotel that you're in, you know, he's literally not there anymore, but he is completely in control of, of everything. He is not moved off his throne you know he knows everything the beginning from the end and everything that's happening and and just to rest in him to know that he is in control even of this situation it's hard for all of us to see and witness and know and and innocent lives lost and and the concern about that as well but thank you so much for sharing with us how to pray and the scriptures to pray which is super important and encouraging us to know that miracles are happening god is still in control and we can take courage in that even though it's hard and tough so vivian thank you so much for that thank you so much for everything that you are doing as i always say to you and thank you also though for being with me today for spending this time with me and um, yeah i pray that we will hear of so many more miracles and just witness God's mighty hand in this time for his people around the world and here in South Africa as well. You know, we just say may his will be done with all things. So Vivian, thank you so much and and God bless you. Thank you so much, Lauren. Appreciate you as well. Thank you. During the song break, I was actually just reading about how one in three Israelis living in Israel right now are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, PTSD is very, very different from post-traumatic stress. Post-traumatic stress is obviously something that you will experience after a traumatic event and it lasts for a short period of time. But when it becomes a disorder, it's something that begins to really affect your life. People don't go out as much. You know, it really is something that you struggle with. Nightmares and flashbacks and all kinds of things. And I was reading, uh, you know, just really about how Israelis are suffering after the massive trauma that happened on October 7th and continues to happen and it's it's not only an individual trauma it's a collective trauma that people in israel are facing right now and as vivian shared with us there's ways that we can pray there's ways that we can intercede and we need to be doing that praying the scripture praying the word of god which is what we should be doing just praying into those areas and just reminding god of his promises and praying for ourselves praying for our country praying for where we stand in these final days pray that god's will will be done and just that his plan will unfold and i really just pray today as well that all of us will just know and take heart and courage in the fact that 
he is still in control and that God is still on the throne. He is not caught off God. There's a lot of things that we see unfolding before us today that are prophesied in his word that are coming to pass. And so that is exciting, even though it's difficult to see. We know even Jeremiah himself, I reflect on that often being the weeping prophet, you know, not only, you know, crying about what he saw would come, but weeping because of what he saw happening before him. And so today, may we continue to pray and intercede, and may we just have hearts that reflect God's heart for his people at this time. I hope that you've enjoyed the show. I've so enjoyed being with you today and just love connecting with Sonia and just hearing these tips that we can all take away when you're maybe a freelancer or you have a business or you're going on your solo journey right now and maybe embarking on that in 2024. So I hope that it's really, really blessed you. Until next week, God bless, take care and see you then. insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za